Today is Mother's Day, and what we do here at New Day is not just honoring those who have given birth naturally, but if you're an adult female, uh, you carry in you uh, not only the potential for motherhood, but you are a mom. You're a mother in Israel. You love on others, and we just want to honor that and pray a blessing on you. So if you're an adult female, please stand up. We want to bless you. Um, uh, First, we're going to pray for you. And uh, uh, just speak a blessing over you. And then after service, if you haven't already, there are a bunch of these uh, wonderful um, uh, chocolate bars. The, have, have you ever tried one of these? They're really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally ad- I'm addicted to the sea salt one. I, I eat some every night. So I'm really hoping that there's a lot of these left over. <laughs> that orange one there is mine. The orange is, is good. So each adult mo- um, uh, mo- uh, woman can, can grab one as a blessing. But let's just pray uh, for you. Would you join me with prayer? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for each and every woman here. Lord, we thank you that without a mother, none of us would be here. We are completely dependent on uh, mothers for our literal life, but also for so much more that makes life what it is. And Lord, we we bless uh, the, the mothers in Israel. We bless each woman here. And we pray that they would experience the fullness of Your favor in their lives. Lord, when You created man, You said that You made man, male and female, You made them. And so it's as a whole, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve together, represent the fullness of Your image. You created them in Your image, male and female, You created them. And so we recognize that Your Character is reproduced as much in woman as it is in man. And that equally we represent you. And so, Father, I pray that each woman here would experience blessing and that the character of God in them would be revealed and they would enjoy it. And we pray that every curse, every negative word, every cultural negative expectation that's been put on women, put on individuals here, or put on women in general. We bind those curses. We bind those misrepresentations. We bind those ungodly expectations. We bind the manipulation and the intimidation and the abuse and the misuse. And we just pray that the, that would be removed and the, the negative effects of that would be removed from each one of these people's lives. Lord, take the pain away, Father, and in its place, release the life and the blessing and the favor and the grace and the joy and the goodness that You intend each one of these women to live in. I just felt uh, led to um, actually lead in a prayer of repentance for the ways that we have devalued femininity in ourselves as women or any of us, others, that we have thought said that that's lesser or, oh, that's just a woman, you know, oh, that's a woman thing, or you're talking pink, you know. Things that um, we say that 
devalue. Let's just repent of that because what we're accidentally doing when we do that is we're devaluing God because those characteristics are part of, that's the way we bear his image. It takes a man and a woman to handle bearing the image of God. One's gender can't do it by itself. We need it all. And so we just, I just, if you feel led to follow me in prayer, I'm going to lead out. Dear Lord, we repent. Dear Lord. For any way that we have devalued femininity. For any way we have devalued femininity. Within ourselves or within others. Within ourselves or within others. We celebrate your image in women. We celebrate your image in women. And we bless that in Jesus' name. And we bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, one more thing. Uh, of the women standing, how many, how many like chocolate? The chocolate we're giving away? Right? Right, right. Great. How many like coffee? <laughs> Some of you may not know, but we, um, we've just recently gotten uh, these coffee cups, New Day coffee cups, and the artwork on it is actually prophetic artwork that's done by the... Um, uh, this one was done by Heather Hayes a while back. And she's been in Japan. She's coming back. And we give these to guests. But we also give them, um, we also have them available if you wanted to buy one uh, um, to help uh, pay for the ones we give away. <laughs> but um, I saw your hand first. So I'm just going to give it to you. So, boom. There you go. All right. You may be seated. Yeah. <clears throat> Happy Mother's Day to you. So, it's good to be back in Kalamazoo. If... Um, you're not aware, I'm the pastor here, <laughs> and uh, that could be possible because I'm not here a lot. The reason I'm not here a lot is because we have two churches, uh, and counting, um, and uh, we are personally leading two churches, this one and the one in Vandalia, and I go back and forth, and then I also travel, so sometimes I miss uh, numerous weeks. But the reason I'm bringing this up is that this is part of our vision, and it's actually easier to pastor a church, if you read a book on how to grow a church, uh, you know, having the same person preach every Sunday is uh, important because people connect to a preacher and it's easier for people to join a church if they know who they're just going to speak every, every Sunday. And so that actually helps grow a church. The same thing with worship leaders. Uh, um, if you have the same worship leader every Sunday, it builds continuity and it makes it easier to, for people to... to, to if, we, if we were just interested in growing numerically, those are the kind of things we would do. But we believe that God has called us to a little bit different vision. Now, I believe that we were to grow numerically. Uh, we're just going to grow differently uh, than that formula because a big part of our vision and what God's called me to as a pastor is to raise up other people. Okay, is to reproduce and not just enlarge. And I believe in enlarging, and I think ultimately we are enlarging, we are growing, but it's a reproduce. And so by having multiple worship leaders, more people are trained on how to worship and released and can be sent out to, to, uh, to start uh, uh, do worship in more venues. And by having multiple people speak, uh, we have the capacity now to have a whole second campus. So church has been going on in Vandalia. It's wrapped up by now. They're, they're, they're eating donuts and, and fellowshipping. And we were in the middle of second service, and we've re- reproduced. So there's a whole community down there that's being blessed because we've raised up teachers. And it's just a blessing because yesterday I sat down with all of the people that uh, are rotating the teaching, and we planned out this, the teachings for the next six months. Uh, and talk about a miracle. All right? <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> we have all the sermons planned who's speaking where. 
two services at Kalamazoo and the Vandalia Canvas for the next six months. It's already scheduled. And, uh, and so this is part of the vision of New Day Community Church is to reproduce. And we're not going to stop with Vandalia. I believe that God's called us to be a church that sends out uh, church planters and raises up many, many church planting. It's always been part of my vision. And I, I share this because you're part of that. If it, wasn't for, if it wasn't for you being willing to be a part of a church with this kind of vision, we can't do this. You know? And so, uh, because we are this way, we're going to grow by attracting other people that see that, that, the value of that vision and, and fill these seats, all right? And, and so that we have to put all of them. I prayed this morning that uh, every church in Kalamazoo would be at capacity so that they'd have to pull out more chairs uh, for Sunday morning service. Wouldn't you love to see that? You know, there's a lot of people within our community that don't know God that aren't connected with a, a church. Uh, that's why we're here. And so let's be praying to... Uh, actually, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, is it okay for me to, uh, to ad lib? Of course. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. So during worship, I just felt we should, have, we should wait on God for a moment. And um, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's hearing God's voice. So we're just going to quieter. Our, our mind, we actually taught on this the last quarter, so we're just going to quiet our minds, and, um, and if you don't get anything, that's fine, maybe it'll come to you later, but we want to ask God a question, alright, and I'm going to tell you what the question is, is what God told me to do, uh, I feel led to do, um, so God, Lord, we, I ask that you give each person uh, a, first, a, a first name, someone's proper name. And that you just speak in to each person's mind someone's name. Alright, so take that name, jot it down, and this week, if you meet somebody that you hadn't met before, and that person has the name that you just heard, share the gospel with them. Tell, tell them something about Jesus. Alright? Just something. You don't have to give the whole plan. Okay? I encourage you to do that. Alright. <clears throat> Intimacy with God. Uh, this is what we're teaching. It's part of our core values. But today we want to focus in on what does intimacy with God actually mean? You know, it's a big concept. And I realize you're coming like me. Uh, your week is probably, you know, I don't know if it's been as crazy as mine. But all of us you know, are filled, our lives are filled with lots of things. And uh, come Sunday morning, I have a sermon I want to preach, but I'm going to try to draw your attention to this idea of being intimate with God. And what does that mean? The word intimacy itself, in most translations, is not found in the Bible. But the idea of it runs throughout. And what the word intimacy means is the condition of being intimate. All right? It means close association or familiarity, relating to one's deepest nature. So would you agree that the Bible talks about our deepest nature? Yep. Yeah, it's about how we, who created us, how we are created, and for what purpose we are created. It's about 
uh, the needs, our deepest needs for love, for intimacy, for relationship, for eternity. Uh, it's about what's uh, intimacy is, is essential, something that's deep or innermost and personal. So the theme of intimacy runs throughout all of Scripture. Uh, it's one of the major themes from Genesis all the way to uh, Revelation. And as a church, <clears throat> we value intimacy. That's one of our core values. It's one of the things that we see as, one, uh, as most important to be uh, nurtured and developed in the culture of the church and in the culture of individuals. Because Christianity was never intended just to be an outward religious system. Christianity, faith, was intended to be something that deals with our deepest nature. And when Jesus uh, called the disciples... You know, if you're at work and you can picture yourself at work or you're at home if you're uh, doing the dishes or watching TV and, and if Jesus just happened to, you know, you, I got a, somebody knocked on my door last week. We were downstairs my son sent us a text. <laughs> you didn't hear it? <laughs> Someone's at the door. <laughs> So Kathy, and Kathy told me, hey, send us a text. Someone's at the door. I'm like, someone's at the door? <laughs> Guess what? It was a guy from Charter. Who would have thought? <laughs> Charter, if you don't, they're just unrelenting in their pursuit of customers. <laughs> so what if I'd opened up the door and it was Jesus? And, and, like, and you knew it was Jesus. Like, oh, it's Jesus. And he said, follow me. Wow. What would that mean? That's what he did to Peter, Andrew, Matthew. And these guys had to enter into a relationship to live intimately with Jesus and the other disciples. Peter showed up, and then Matthew showed up. Wait a minute. Peter was a fisherman, a business owner, and there's this Matthew guy. He's a tax collector. We don't like those guys. All right? And so part of the intimacy of Christianity is following Jesus, but it's also following Jesus with one another. And that's what we're talking about today. John 17 is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Um, it's what Jesus prayed just before he was arrested and then and, uh, crucified. So in this prayer, we see uh, one of the few places in Scripture where we can get a peek into the interaction between Jesus and the Father. We're literally looking into uh, uh, the relationship between uh, the two members of the Trinity. Right? So if you're ever interested in the Trinity, here's one way that you can have a glimpse of how it works. Because Jesus is talking to the Father about His relationship with the Father and, and, and how we fit in. He says, I do not pray for these alone, these being the immediate disciples that were with Him, but also for those who will believe in Me through their Word. And so you know who that's talking about? It's talking about you and me. Because you believe in Jesus because those disciples told other people that become disciples, that told other people that become disciples, all the way down until we get here. Isn't that cool? 
So Jesus is actually praying for you here, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. So Jesus prays this prayer and often we read through this at most, if you've heard something, someone teach about this, it's talk, it talks about it in an evangelistic sense that, oh, that's how the world's going to know that uh, Jesus is real is if we're able to you know, do a one worship event together. <laughs> and, and that's true. But the focus of that, of this whole part that Jesus is talking about, is His relationship with the Father and our relationship with Him. It's this intimacy that that connects all of us together. Jesus extends the idea of intimacy to an extreme. Alright? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You know, as a passage we often read by and go, that's nice, but stop and think about it for a minute. As you, Father, are in me and I in you. So in other words, to the degree that the Father was in Jesus and is in Jesus, is intimate with Jesus, and the degree that Jesus is intimate with the Father, that they, me, Dan, Kathy, each one of you, may also be one in us. What does that mean? You know? It's one of those verses that should make you go, what are you talking about, Jesus? I'm not going to give you an easy answer because I don't think there is an easy answer. It's like saying, define the Trinity. You know? And draw a diagram of it. You know? How does it really work? We don't really know. Jesus is actually praying that every Christian would be as one as He is with the Father and with God and with one another. So this deep intimacy we're to share with Jesus, with the Father, and with one another. Wow! That's amazing. How can billions, right now there's at least a minimum of two billion Christians on planet Earth. I think it's closer to three. But the the most conservative estimate is two billion confessed believers living on planet Earth and 178,000 per day being added to that number through conversions, which is pretty stinking amazing, right? <laughs> so that's almost the population of Kalamazoo County every day being added. Boom, boom, boom. How can all of us come to the place where we're one with the Father and Jesus? What does that really look like? Uh, and then he, Jesus adds this other little statement that they may be made perfect in one, or this in this unity. And perfect means to be complete. Now don't Can I write off the definition of, of the idea of perfectionism? Oh, Jesus is talking about perfect sinlessness. You know, not uh, practicing destructive behaviors, which is how the Bible, that's what sin is. Uh, behaviors that are in contradiction with the character of God that lead to... Uh, death leads to destructive consequences in your life. Yeah, of course, that's part of it. But 
the word really means to be made whole or to be lacking nothing. How would you like, how would you like to live through life and never lack anything? <laughs> Come on. Never have to do the checkbook and find out you're in the negative. You know? And you have to go, oh, I'm going to cover that. Yeah. Your <laughs> <laughs> Never have to tell your husband you, you just did that overdraft. You know? <laughs> I love you, honey. <laughs> Never have to open the cupboard and not have it full. Right? Let's change that to spiritually, emotionally. Never have to go to the cupboard and have it be empty. You know? Well, that's what he means. It's complete. It can literally mean to accomplish. In other words, uh, you've, you've, you've You've accomplished. So the church as a whole and each Christian individually is, is made accomplished or accomplishes whatever God has called us to through this being one, being intimate with the Father, being intimate with Jesus, and being intimate with one another. In that intimacy, we accomplish our goal. Alright? So it's no longer just something we do, but what Jesus, what, what Christianity calls us to is who we are in relationship. I mean, how are we saved? Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Alright? Okay, that truth extends it. How are we made whole? Through relationship. By having intimacy with Jesus and with Jesus through the, uh, through Jesus to, with the Father and with both of them filled by His Holy Spirit, you know, and then through that with one another as we share in intimacy with God. And that brings us to completion. That brings us to being consummate in character. It means having everything in our character that, that, that we are called to have, um, and consecrated, being holy, set apart. Finished, fulfilled. That's what it means when Jesus said that uh, we find we're made perfect in this unity, in this deep intimacy. Uh, Jesus was praying for something far beyond theological agreement or sociological integration and quality. What I mean by that is we, it's not just about agreeing with all of the details. And you know that you can actually love someone intimately uh, and be in unity with someone that you don't agree with everything, like, theologically, right? You know that? You better get used to it, because of the two billion Christians, there's a lot of disagreement, right? Now, there's some things that we have to agree on, or else you're not Christian, right? There are some boundary lines that are indisputable. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus died on the cross as a payment for our sin. You know, uh, there are some things that are essential. Saved by faith. Uh, uh, saved by grace. Faith. Uh, necessity of faith. <clears throat> Those things are essential. But there's all kinds of stuff that we do. And in the past and over, over the centuries, we've, we've fought and, and there's been division because of disagreement. But intimacy bridges that. Okay? Relationship bridges that. Uh, and it goes deeper. So even though we're far different sociologically, economically, our culture is radically different than the culture of Christians and, and you know, some third world nations who pray differently, talk differently, sing differently. And who's more Christ-like? <laughs> who knows? 
You know, I think when we get to heaven, you know, the American Christian uh, worship uh, uh, section is probably going to be pretty small. You know, it's not like there's going the whole heaven's going to be singing Hillsong. <laughs> singing. Who knows what language? All languages, right? We actually know that. It says in, in, in Revelation that they're all, in every tongue, in every, from every tribe, and worshiping together. It's going to be a hoot. All right, so this is not a new idea. I've got to get to my main point. Um, Jesus is not introducing a new idea. It's really an ancient idea, and it's found in Deuteronomy. Chapter 6 is one of the books of the Torah, and the writings. Deuteronomy is actually a sermon or a compilation of uh, teaching that Moses did before he died. It's repeating the law, and he's summing it up, and right, you know, to the Israelites uh, near the end of the forty years of wandering before Joshua takes over and takes them into the promised land. So it's, it's repeating the law, so they get the main points. And in this, he says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength." Well, this is, there's a name for this phrase. It's called the Shema Israel, or just the Shema. I may not be pronouncing it great. I, I don't speak Hebrew. It's Greek to me. <laughs> it's Hebrew to me. Uh, but the Shema is like, uh, um, it's the first two words, the section of the, of, of the Torah, the Hebrew Bible. Um, it's called the Creed of the Jews. In other words, like when we recite the Nicene Creed during communion, um, that's the, our core beliefs, that's our essentials. Well, this is the essentials of Judaism. They, they drilled this into everyone. It's the centerpiece from, from, for ages and ages. Not only today, if you were to go to a, a Hebrew or a Jewish um, Tabernacle, uh, 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 synagogue, yeah, synagogue. You know, in the morning prayers and the evening prayers, they say this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your uh, strength." <clears throat> you know, it's just part of the prayer service. Uh, they teach it to the children to say it out loud. It's it's usually when a child is born, it's whispered into their ear. It's um, you know, traditional Orthodox Jews. It'll be the first thing that's said uh, when they wake up, and it's the last thing that comes out of their mouth every night before they go to sleep. I mean, this is as core as it gets to the Hebrew faith. And in that verse, in the Shema, two things. There's the identity of God is communicated and the response of love is called forth. So let's look at the identity of God and I'm going to tie this into what Jesus prayed. The identity is the Lord, Yahweh, our God, Elohim, the Lord is one. Yahweh, everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh. Well, you know that song, Yahweh. So Mark Morris isn't here, but when he first got saved, they sang that song, and he had no idea what Yahweh was. So actually, I have a, I, I really don't like it being sung on Sunday morning because if there's anybody that's not a Christian, it's like saying blah da, blah da. And you're like, all these people are, are saying a nonsense word, and they are wacky. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I encourage our worship leaders, if you're going to sing a song, please explain it for the guests. But uh, Yahweh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know it's the, it's the actual uh, proper name of God. So what's my name? Cameron. What's the name God told you? Don't say it out loud. That's another name, huh? Okay. So my name is Cameron. Um, uh, 
But what do my kids call me? What do you think my kids call me? Dad. So dad is actually a title. Alright? And titles, some people get confused about this. Titles are often more intimate than names. Alright? The fact that we can call, like my kids can call me father, but not everybody can call me father, but everybody can call me Cameron. Does that make sense? So, Yahweh is the proper name of God. Uh, And you can go into the definition of what it means and all that. Uh, A lot of it is speculation. It's what God told Moses was his name. So we just take it. Okay, that's God's name. Um, In most Bibles, it's um, in the Old Testament, it's all caps. L-O-R-D. That means that is the word Yahweh in the original language. Uh, And in, in some Bibles... King James, they would use the word Jehovah. So, uh, so the Lord, Yahweh, our God, is just the word God. And that's Elohim, which is another Hebrew word, which means gods, plural. All right? And so many times the word gods is used in the Old Testament referring to Baal or uh, Moloch or the other gods, Elohim. In, in the, of the enemies of Israel. And so, <clears throat> it's just a general word for God. So, this statement is Yahweh, the God revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, our Elohim, the Yahweh is one. But Elohim is plural. Okay, the word one is a uh, uh, Hebrew word means it just means the number one. All right, that's easy to understand, isn't it? Singular, but it also means unique or one and alone. So there's a, a important truths that we need to get from this extremely important verse. I'm just saying, God created the culture, influenced the culture that for thousands of years every Jewish person repeats that phrase every day. Jesus used it as uh, the, the, the uh, response to the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? So is this an important verse in the Bible? Yeah, yeah it's right up there. <laughs> okay. Maybe we ought to understand this. Right? So, one, it's, 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 there's one God. Uh, it's monotheism versus polytheism. All right? uh, and that Yahweh is the true supreme being revealed uh, throughout the scripture. But in this statement, along with other places throughout the Bible, this idea that the unique, singular, unified God has plurality. Alright? Yahweh is Elohim, means singular, and, and, and Elohim is one. So he's actually saying there's a plurality within the singular God. Alright? Wow, and that's the basis for the New Testament idea of Trinity. But it's, and, and so it's essential for our understanding of who God is, that this God that we worship is actually has a plural aspect as well as He's the only one. Yahweh is the only one. There are no other gods. But this, in this God, there is a plurality. Uh, that is one. <clears throat> now, it requires us to understand. It helps us understand who God is, but it also helps us to understand what love is. Because an individual really cannot love if there's no other individual to love. Alright? 
Love requires relationship. There has to be interaction. There has to be a giving of oneself to another. And so, <clears throat> this enables love to exist within the Trinity. And would or could an infinite, supreme, almighty God require of His creation something that He Himself did not possess or could not possess? So the requirement to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength implies that God is love. Do you get it? All right? It's a very important aspect of understanding why uh, the Trinity is so essential in understanding the nature of God and why we're able to, uh, why God is able to say, hey, you have to love me. And the, re- and the answer to that is you have to love me because I am love. Because I am the perfection of love. And, I, and you are created in my image. To love. To be in unity. To be in relationship. So God is love. Uh, if God wasn't a trinity, if there wasn't a multiplicity within His being, there would not be the possibility of love. And the oneness of God, the unity that we see within the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, um, is... Uh, uh, <coughs> Uh, It's it's the expression of the eternal love that exists within the Godhead. So the unity and the love are are both the same. They are constant. You know, they never have a Trinity split. Jesus never gets frustrated with this. He doesn't have father issues. (laughs) All right. right. Why? Because they're in love. They're one. In fact, Jesus is able to say, "I and my Father are one." And the response, because the Jews had, had been drilled that there's only one God, when Jesus said that, they, they thought he was being blasphemous. And he would have been if it wasn't true. Amen. Okay? So they picked up stones to, to kill him. But he was speaking in the truth. He was trying to get them to understand what the Shema really meant. Uh, uh, the, the command to love God flows from the nature of God. John writes it this way. It says, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Wow, doesn't that sound very similar to Jesus' prayer? God in him and he in God. And the Father in me, I in the Father, and them in us. Wow, it's the same idea, this deep, intimate love. We love Him because He first loved us. So God's nature of unity and love is the source. How do you love someone that's different than you? How do you just love anyone? So I don't know how you do it, but I have to tap into God every day. Because I've run out of love. I run out of patience and I have to go to God. I have to go to that, that place where I can get grace from God to love on others. Well, that's, what it's, that's how it's supposed to work. Uh, um, <clears throat> so, alright, let's move on. This is not a dry, disconnected theological idea or debate. It's the essence of the nature of God and the source from which we are empowered to love. It's from understanding this and living this that we have the ability to love on others. Uh, It's God's nature reproduced in us toward Him and toward one another. Okay, it's the nature of God. His character reproduces. It's not just something God's demanding from us to do out of obedience. It's something that we are to express as the result of being connected because we're in relationship with Him and He is love. That means I can love on others. He's the source. And it's the fulfillment of the Shema. 
It's the fulfillment of that command, but also that prayer. And it's exactly what Jesus was, was saying. That we would be one, <clears throat> is the that the Shema would be fulfilled in the life of each and every believer. That's his high priestly prayer. That you and I would experience this. That the oneness would be personally experienced. Um, and, and that uh, each of us would be integrated through intimacy with ourselves. We need to love ourselves with one another, and with the Father, and with the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It all comes through that connection with uh, God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's kind of interesting, in, in the book of Mark, Jesus, it's recorded this way, Jesus quoted from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it's worded a little differently in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in Mark, because when he said it, uh, when Mark recorded it, it was, uh, he was quoting the Septuagint. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So there's four things there. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's interesting that if you do some research on intimacy today, you'll find that the psychology is saying there's four types of intimacy. There's emotional intimacy, feeling that's a love, joy uh, aspect of our being. And so that's loving with all of our heart. There's experiential intimacy, and I'm going to categorize that. I see that as a soulish thing. It's what we experience. Everything that falls under the uh, category of, uh, of psychology, uh, uh, and, you know, not just pure emotions, but um, interpersonal uh, uh, relationships and, and communication, interaction, uh, camaraderie. This is soulish issues. And so that's, that's experience. How we live together with others. We're to love God with all of our soul and to love one another with all of our soul. Cognitive, intellectual intimacy is all of our mind. So our, our, our thoughts and our ideas come into alignment with God uh, in an intimate way. We share deeply our thoughts, our ideas, and then physically, all of your strength. So it's interesting that uh, you know, the Bible and God has been declaring these four ideas of intimacy for thousands of years. And secular psychologists, right, that's what love is. That's what intimacy is. It's in, it's in direct alignment to what uh, the Bible's been teaching. Okay, so just as God's love is the source of our love for Him and for one another, God's oneness or His unity is the source of our unity with Him and one another. Um, and that's basically the character of God being reproduced in us. There's one other image I want to get to before I end, and that's in Ephesians. It's talking about the same idea. It just gives us another way to think it, of it. The Bible says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. So this is the Bible talking about marriage. All right? and, and Paul writes, This is a great mystery. But, you know, marriage is a mystery. He adds, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Now, <clears throat> get this term down. Uh, if I were to draw an illustration of something, like if I were to illustrate, you know, how... Uh, you know, the, uh, there's a structure within the church and there's a pastor and then there's a board and then there's ministry leaders and there's a congregation. Which is more significant or important? This drawing, the illustration, or the actual relationships? 
Yeah, it's the relationship. So the illustration is just so we can get an understanding of how it really works, right? Okay, how important is marriage? Little important? Big important? Big. It's huge in life, right? That's just the illustration for this bigger thing which is called our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, right? Uh, <clears throat> intimacy was, is deeper and more complete than marriage because we're no longer, because we're joined with Christ, the sinless one. There's no brokenness. There's no fragmentation. Uh, um, because we're married to someone who's broken and we're broken, you know, that causes difficulty in marriage. Uh, but when we come in to this unity, this intimacy uh, that this scripture refers to, and that the Shema refers to, we experience uh, uh, an intimacy with someone who's not broken. Jesus came. Uh, we're fractured by sin, but Jesus isn't. And that enables us to be complete, to be whole, to be uh, united with Him, united with the Father, uh, and all of our brokenness, He can He can heal, He can fix all of our brokenness because you're united with Him. Um, so that was Jesus' prayer, but it's the fulfillment of the Great Shema. I'm going to ask Dan just to come up and lead us in a close. Would you welcome Him? Oh, that all may be one as thou father and me and I they also may be one in us it was added to uh, my mom's grace before dinner I don't know how many years ago and every time I hear it I get a little hungry <clears throat> and my family was joking about it both my daughter in the first service and, and my wife in this one but that started me thinking is good let me get a little hungry for the intimacy that that whole thing gives and, uh, you know, the illustration of marriage, you know, when you love someone, I don't know if anybody follows Arwen and Sean on Facebook, but <laughs> no, I love it. I really do. I love them both. And I think they're just great. But what an illustration of, you know, kind of what love is. And it's you lay stuff down for someone you love. Uh when I was hoping to date Beth, or when we were first starting to go, I mean, I would. She used to babysit for my sister, and I would drive by to see if her car was there when I had nothing to do, so I could think of something to stop in. And uh, you know, I hear marriages in trouble and everything else. I think, you know, do you remember the beginning? You know, when you would do anything to be with that person and, and I think when you forget that kind of stuff that's when things start to fall apart and I, I still feel the same way so and you know God loved us so much what a, what a sacrifice he made I mean you know Cameron talked about boy can you imagine being there and needing nothing and you know everything's there and he gave that up for a time he came down he needed things here in the physical. And things he didn't meet himself, he depended on the Father. And it was all up. But he had that relationship. And he loved us so much. He loved you so much that he gave all that up. And he came and laid down everything. He laid down his life because he wants that relationship with you. Uh, 
Wow. Cameron talked about, um, you know, over 2 billion, close to 3 billion Christians. You know, we have religious Christians and we have spiritual, you know, Christians. Uh, a lot of Pharisees in our church, too, same as there were the others, and they just didn't get it. You know, it's the intimacy. That's what it was all about. You know, do I need intimacy? You know, can I just come and do the thing and get there? You know, well, if you believe Christ is your Savior and He loved and died for you, you know, you're saved, but you're missing a whole lot of stuff. Um, you're missing a whole lot of stuff. You know, you were created for intimacy with God. And that's what Jesus was bringing it back. Wake up, He says. This is what it's all about. Um, so, to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Where are we lacking in that? You know, does He have all of your heart? If everybody just close their eyes for a minute, and we'll just go over each and every one of these. <clears throat> Emotionally, does He have your heart? Does He have your heart <clears throat> like He's given you His? Does He have your soul? Are you experiencing Jesus? <clears throat> Does he have your mind? This one's so difficult. <clears throat> How many times during the day do you stop and think, wow, when's the last time I thought about God today? I got all this stuff going on. Is he there? Are you communicating with him through all that stuff? Share it. And with all your strength, what are you doing physically for God? Jesus laid it all down for you. If you're here, you're not a Christian. He laid it all down for you and for me. For Cameron and Beth and Kathy. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you have that opportunity to do that today. You know, a lot of people come to God out of fear. A lot of them are raised in the church, and that's just what you do, or you're going to go to hell. You know, well, if you accept Jesus out of fear, I, you know, that's a start. But boy, give Him your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and He'll change all of that. So let's leave today. Having in our hearts, and our souls, and our minds, and our strength, God's presence. We have a prayer team. It's going to be on this side of the church. We have prophetic on this side. There are people, side. There are people who have been trained to hear God's voice and tell them what 
they think they're he's saying to you uh, it's first come first serve so uh, you are dismissed if you have children in children's church please pick them up before you do anything else stand up and greet someone have a wonderful wonderful Mother's Day <laughs> Yeah. I'm really glad that you're here. Join me near.